0: world. Welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft show. Here is your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. That's right, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of the show. Today we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics. <laughs> and it's money. I do. I love the topic of money because well, for me it's such a major shift in mindset as when it comes to, let's just say, going back 8 to 10 years ago, where money was one of those taboo topics that I thought you just should never talk about, and you sure, certainly shouldn't love to talk about money, but I do love to talk about money. Uh, and, and there are so many different reasons why. I'm not going to go into all of them today. By the way, just want to just confess to you, here at the front of the show, I have zero notes in front of me. With that being said... I've been thinking a great deal about what I want to talk about in this episode. I've just not outlined it. So, with that being said, uh, we'll see what it comes out and how it how it all formulates here as I speak to you from my heart and just off the top of my head. The first thing that I want to say to you is this: you always have plenty of money for everything you truly want. If you've been listening to this podcast, let's just say for the past several months, you may recall that I kind of threw this statement out in a list of other statements in a previous episode or maybe even more than one episode. I don't even know. But uh, this statement is a part of what I call my affirmation list. This is one of the things that I Pretty frequently here on a consistent basis, if not daily at times, this idea this statement this in my mind truth and now i 'm not going to tell you that it's true, but in my life, I have reflected upon this statement this affirmation you always matter of fact i 'm going 'm going to stay it the other way around because this is the way I hear it when it when it's actually formed as an affirmation I always have plenty of money for all of the things I truly want. That's the way I hear it, because that's the way I've recorded it as an audio affirmation. It's the way that I read it. When I read it out loud to myself, it's the way that I see it, because I want to make sure that I'm remembering that I always have plenty of money for everything I truly want. I want to ask you first and foremost: Do you believe that statement to be true in your own life? I don't incur. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I'm not going to suggest that you radically alter your opinion on this right away. I first heard this statement when I was reading the book "The Big Leap" by Gray by Gay Hendricks, and I, matter of fact, right after. I heard that statement, I remember it, and it, it didn't even hit me the first time I listened to the audiobook. and it wasn't until I was, I, I actually, I listened to the audiobook. I then read the Kindle version of the book, and it wasn't until I was working out, I remember exactly, I was on my spin bike here at the house, and I was working out, and I was listening to the audio book the second time around, and it was the first time this statement jumped out at me. Where Gay Hendricks says, I, you always have plenty of money for all the things you truly want. At least I think that's where it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm positive because I, I remember stopping it. And I remember say, I actually turned on my video uh, recorder on my phone. And I recorded a private video message. And I sent it to Ray Edwards, my closest, most personal friend in this world. And I said, Ray, I just read this statement and I've wrestled with the 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 truth or the reality of this statement, but when I think about this statement in light of all of my years of experience on this earth, I can't seem to think of a single time where this actual this statement has not been proven to be true in my life. Never. And so, Ray, I'm going to tell you what that statement is in this video. And I'm going to share that statement with you. And I'm going to tell you right now that I firmly believe this. And the reason why I'm asking or why I'm recording this video is because I would like to ask you to do me a personal favor. If at any point down the road, I express fear or anxiety, or any other language that seems to contradict what I'm about ready to tell you, I need you to do me a favor. Pull this out of the archives of where you've tucked this little video away, where you've hidden it, so that at any point in the future, if necessary, you will send this video recording To me, in response to that fear that has been expressed, that anxiety or those words of discouragement, whatever the case may be, here's the statement. I always have plenty of money for everything I truly want. This has been true in every single circumstance, every instance in my life. It has never not been true. And I am absolutely firmly convinced that this moment in time and that this is a truth that will always be true, that there will never be anything that I truly want in life where the money is not available to me, I believe that the, I will always have plenty of money. The resources will be there for anything and everything I truly want in life. Thank you, Ray <laughs> that, that was the video, and I remember sending that and he 's like wow i 'm definitely going to hold on to this and and and, and you know the, the thing is is recording that statement. Took a lot of courage because I'm like, wow, I'm just, uh, this is something, this is a truth that I'm committed to. Now, I, I would love to just tell you that, that as soon as I heard that statement, that it it's just, oh, yep, okay, that's going on the affirmation list. That's not how things work for me. I have to evaluate this. And that's why I'm, I'm, I wanted to share this with you. And I, I now want to share with you kind of some of the, uh, when I when I first heard it, like when it like consciously jumped out of me off of the audio pages, if you will, of that book, I paused that recording and I didn't record that video for Ray right away. I I thought about it on the spin bike. And I'm like, oh, wait a second, dude, there's no way that this could be true. Because I remember the days way back when Stephanie and I were first married. We were tens of thousands of dollars in unsecured credit card debt, living paycheck to paycheck, where at the end of the month, uh, there was more month than there was money. I re- Gosh, there's no way this could be true because I remember... When, when, Within the first few years of being married to my wife, we were living in a crappy apartment in Southgate, Kentucky. It was an absolute hole in the wall. We drove piece of junk cars, and we paid for gasoline with pennies, rolled up pennies that we had actually just rolled up for the convenience of the clerk at the store prior to going to go buy gasoline with rolled pennies. That's how broke we were. We were broke as broke could be. How could it be possible that this statement, I always have plenty of money for all the things I truly want? Well, I want to, first of all, state that there's an important word in this statement of, I always have plenty of money for the things I truly want. And that key word is truly want. Truly. Truly want. What does that mean? I want to I share with you what, what I mean by that. What I mean is, is there a desire, something that I want? Is there something that I desire so much that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to achieve it? To, to, uh, do I have a goal, an outcome? Is there something that I want so much? And I'm convinced I need it. I, it's like, and, and by the way, when I say I need it, I don't mean I need it to survive. I'm talking about I need it because I've convinced myself that I must have this for whatever reason. Maybe it's even for my pure joy and entertainment and has no other benefit outside of that. But for whatever reason, is there even something in my life back then when I was rolling pennies, when I rolled pennies to buy gas, were, were there any instances during that season of my life where there was something that i became convinced of that i absolutely must have this and i'm like yeah there there are several occasions where i did this where there were things that i wanted not they weren't things that i needed they but they were things that i truly wanted and i got to tell you i'm an i'm a geek i'm a tech to, early tech adopter i love new technology and Gosh, I, you know, this This is back in 1996, 1997 days. I mean, th- this is the years we're talking about. This is the early days of HTML. And I'm learning how to program HTML and I'm web journaling because we don't call it blogging back then. So I'm web journaling and I wanted to do more video related uh, uh, instant messaging. Yes, even back then we were playing around with webcams. And I wanted to be able to do some other newer things. I mean, processors were getting faster and faster every single year. And and the reality was is that, you know, I've, once you have a computer for two or three years back then, then to be able to do some of the things that are the latest and greatest in technology, you really did, if you wanted, If it's not that you needed it to survive, but if you wanted to be able to do the latest and greatest of things you could achieve with technology... I really did convince myself I need a new computer. I must have a new computer. All right? It was it was something I truly wanted. All right? And and these are back in the days before I got convinced, you know, got into the Mac world, but so these were PCs, but I wanted a custom-built computer and I remember this was a time when uh the kind of computer I wanted I didn't go for brand names. I went over to this place called Micro Center. They built these custom systems, and you know they were like nine hundred dollars. I was like, "Listen, I'll keep the monitor that I have now. The monitor will work perfectly fine. I don't even need a new keyboard and mouse. The keyboard and mouse that I have right now perfectly fine. But I want a whole new box. I want a whole new CPU, GPU. I I want new RAM. I want all a, a bigger hard drive. I want all of that stuff. Latest version of." of software for, for the di- various different things. I absolutely, truly desire this so much that what can I do to get it? What is it going to take? Now, I will tell you that back then, one one of the things that I could do was um, I could go out and take out a loan. And And by the way, there were three different times that I went to my community bank by the way it was Hebron Deposit Bank and i sat down in the office of the of the loan officer his name was Joe Joe knew me well i i had some credit card debt already i had you know very little capital of anything what what kind of things can i put on as collateral for a loan or what can i put up and, and he was asking me that question. Well, I've got this used car. And he goes, well, what's the value of the car? And I said, eh, I, I paid a couple hundred bucks for this car. I'm not kidding you. I paid a couple hundred bucks for the car. Um, and, and he's like, okay, well, we'll put that down. And, and here's, here's what I can tell you. I got the loan from Joe from Hebron Deposit Bank every time I went there to get the, the loan. Now, by the way, today I am not a fan of going into debt. My wife and I became debt-free except for our mortgage in February 2007. We have never been in debt since then and never will be. However, back this is way before our Dave Ramsey and debt-free days. But even then, even then, I was convinced I must have this computer. This is something I desperately want. This is something I truly desire. This is something I truly want. And I had to ask myself, how can I get it? Because by the way, not getting that new computer was not an option. I want you to understand that. It's I'm not telling you that I needed that new computer to live. Uh uh. This this was way beyond my quote unquote basic living needs. This was a want. This was a desire, and, and, and the idea of not having that computer and not having it within the next two weeks was not an option, so my next question was, okay, I've determined, I've decided. Now, we talked about decision many, like two or three months ago. Well, it was back in January. Uh, I talked about the power of the word decision. The word decide, C-I-D, the original Latin is to kill. You may have heard of the word pesticide. It kills pests. I'm sure you've unfortunately heard of suicide, which is to kill oneself. Well, to decide, when you are deciding something, you have decided that what it is that you want is the only outcome, and that you are killing, literally putting to death any other possibility. So that's what I'm talking about when you truly want something. You've determined this is, my, this is your outcome. This is what I want. This is what I desire. I truly want it, and I've now decided I will have it. There is now no other option than for me to have what I truly desire. And when that becomes the decision, and that is the outcome that you are committed to, it's simply, okay, now how do I do it? Now, back then... I I'm like but and and by the way let me just tell you if it were it took a great deal of confidence in who I am and why I want this computer I will tell you right now that for people who did not make the decision that this must happen, if I if I wasn't fully committed to it, if if I I, I just kind of casually wanted this, and I wonder if I could, if I went in and I say, I wonder if I could get a loan for this. And by, by the way, again, I am not promoting borrowing money. I hate the, I hate the fact that I did it back then, um, and and I I'm not recommending it. But this is the story. I, I can only tell you the story here. Right. And this is the story that I wanted to tell you that went through my mind as I'm on my spin bike, and the reality is is that I didn't qualify. I did not necessarily qualify for that loan. I mean, the collateral that Joe put on the application because he's required as a loan officer, the collateral that he put on that piece of paper was baloney. Come on, seriously. You're going to take my car if I don't pay off this personal loan for $900 for this computer. And you're 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 not going to be able to sell it's going to cost you more money to try to do something to sell this car than you'd ever get to pay towards this loan if I defaulted on the loan. But here's here, how how on earth does a guy who is just recently married and he and his wife are tens of thousands of dollars in unsecured credit card debt, who has crappy cars that both he and his wife have a car each that cost a couple hundred dollars total, how on earth does a guy like that walk into a bank, sit down with a loan officer, and walk out with $900 given to him as a loan? And the reason is, is because I was convinced that I was going to get that outcome. And I sold Joe on my vision. I See, the thing is, is I was already convinced. And by the way, little caveat here, just a little additional insight for you. You might want to write this down. My greatest way of thinking about selling things is shared confidence And shared enthusiasm. See, I went into that office to talk to Joe, and I was convinced about the value of me having a computer and what it was going to do for me and how it was going. Matter of fact, I, I said, Joe, let me tell you, I'm building a little business on the side. Matter of fact, one of the things I can tell you is that I am definitely going to be able to pay you back because when I'm able to buy this computer, here are the three things that I can do with this computer that I cannot do with the computer I have right now. And once I have this computer, I'm going to offer these services. And I'm going to do this for myself and I'm going to do it for other people on the side. And by the way, Joe knew that I worked at the insurance agency. There's some credibility that had been built up within the relationship I had with Joe and the relationship that Joe and the bank had with my father's insurance agency. So there's a lot of other things going here, right? But the reality is, is the whole moral of this story not that there 's much morality for myself going out and trying to loan borrow money when i 'm tens of thousands of dollars in debt for something that i don 't truly need, but the thing is is I, I was tr- I truly wanted something, and what happened? I sold Joe on the vision that I had, I shared with him my confidence that I was going to pay that loan back and that and i and one of the ways that i did that i said joe here's what i can tell you you can look and you're going to run my reports you're going to know that i i have money outstanding to to credit cards and stuff like that but one thing you will see joe is this there has never been a day in my life that i've ever paid a bill late that is something that it, i know it will show you I've had phone I've had phone bills. I've had cell phones since I was 18 years old or maybe even younger, and they're all in my name. And by the way, you will know that I have had that, and I never have paid those bills late. I've had a phone with the regular phone company. I, I don't today, by the way, <laughs> Landlines. Do you remember those? I, I've never paid that late, Joe. I've had car loans in the past, very expensive cars. I have since sold those. But here's what I will tell you. Every single loan I've ever had has been paid. And yes, while I and my wife do have two credit cards, and each of those credit cards have tens of thousands of dollars in debt on them, what you will see is that not only do we pay our minimum payment, but we are actually, in most instances, paying well above that. We are actually paying down debt, not as fast as we would like, but we are doing it. But Joe, let me tell you something. If you, let, if you give me the $900 for this computer, what I am absolutely convinced of is that it is going to allow me to pay down that debt faster, including this debt that I'm about ready to borrow from you. That is how I wa- – I knew I was getting the loan before I walked in the bank, and I went in with that attitude. And by the way, I'm absolutely convinced that's why I walked out with the loan. But here's the deal. If, if Joe would have said no, would I have had the computer in two weeks? Yes, I would. Because this is something I learned. T- Tony Robbins has this thing. He calls it, it's, he calls it the, un, uh, the uh, ultimate, uh, what does he call it? The ultimate success formula, and it's a four-step formula. Number one, you know your outcome. <laughs> My outcome is I'm going to have a computer within two weeks. Boom done that that's my outcome number two decide all right and take immediate action so it's step number two is a two-part program number one you you decide which means you you it's like you okay i've decided i'm committed okay and i'm so committed that let me tell you anything other than what i committed to has been it's any other option other than what i'm committed to is dead to me all right you're dead to me. This idea of not having this computer within two weeks is dead to me. It doesn't exist in reality. There is only one reality, and the reality is that I have this computer within two weeks, and that is it. I've decided. Then, once you've decided, you take, you, you ask yourself this question at the same point of decision. This why it's why it's, it's both of them. This is step two. Number one, um, what actions can I take right now? That will get me this outcome, or at least get me closer to this outcome. It's like, okay, well, let me see. Do I have any money in savings? Do I have anything here? And I, and by the way, I did pull some other resources. I, You know, I didn't borrow the whole 900. I had some extra money, but I went in and borrowed the difference of whatever it was. But anyway, it's like, but I don't have enough. It's like, okay, well, what do I do? Okay, what's the next thing? Oh, by the way, step number three is evaluate. Whatever actions you took, evaluate your results, and, and when you evaluate the result of the actions that you've taken, then what do you do? You simply say, okay, have I achieved my outcome? If not, guess what you do? You change your approach. That's step number four. So let me just re- do, give you the, the ultimate success formula that Tony Robbins teaches. It's number one, know your outcome. Number two, decide and take immediate action. Number three, evaluate the results of your action. And then step number 4, and it's only you only go to step number 4 if step number 3 didn't get you your outcome. <laughs> so step number 4 is change your approach. And how many times do you change your approach? You change your approach as many times as necessary. You're going to do Remember, what are you willing to do to make this happen? I'm willing I, no matter what, I'm going to achieve this. So you keep changing your approach over and over again endlessly until eventually you have the result. You have the outcome. When you had the outcome, you have succeeded in your goal, and you're moving forward in life. All right? So um, that's exactly how it worked. And so when I think about it, if I didn't have the money, if I didn't get the loan, what would I have done? Well, I would have evaluated the result. <laughs> okay, the result of talking to Joe. That didn't happen. Okay, so now what? Uh, and, and by the way, I'm convinced. I know. I would. If Joe would not have lent me the money, I would have done something. I would have I would have sold things. I I would have, I, there's a lot of different things that I could have done if Joe didn't lend me the money. But I think action step number two. So my first action was where can I pull money from the, that I have around here? And it's like okay, what's the next? I, that's not enough. So now that I've evaluated this result, what's the next action I'm going to do? Let's go talk to Joe at at the bank, and I will convince him. And I went in with that attitude, just like and and boom. Evaluate the result. Check in hand. Let's go buy a computer. Boom. That's, that's how it works. All right. So yeah, is this, is, is that the only time? So I, I just want the reason why I spent so much time telling you that story, even though I'm not a big fan of going into debt and borrowing money for things you can't afford. Um, by the way, could I afford that computer? Absolutely. I could. And, and I, by the, and the reason I know that is because, well, today I can tell you that every single penny of those tens of thousands of dollars in credit card debt, they had all been paid. I was never late on a minimum payment. That was my commitment to myself. That was my commitment to the people, the, the, the folks at the credit card companies who gave me that money on credit. Um, I made my commitment that I would pay them and it never did we ever pay a payment late. Every single payment on those computers were paid on the time ta- on time. And by the way, every single one of those computers were paid those loans for computers. I, I borrowed I borrowed, I had took out three different personal loans for three different computers over the course of like five years. And every single time it's like a couple months into it, I completely paid off the loan. How did I do that? Um, I did it because, well, I did exactly what I told Joe. If I could do this, I'm going to offer this service. I went out and so I, I, I got the computer. I learned how to do what it is I said I was going to do. Did it for myself. People say, "Hey, how'd you do that?" I can do it for you, and I charged a couple hundred bucks. And boom, next thing you know, loans paid off. Anyway, so the reason why I spent all that time to tell you that story is because I don't want you to think, well, Cliff Ravenscraft today, 2018. You know I have a business where I have tens of thousands of people in my community there's over a hundred there there are hundreds of thousands of people who know of me and 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 I can get the i I have tens of thousands of people in my personal community today these are like these are people who are let's my great friend Pat Flynn calls them raving fans I have tens of thousands of raving f- uh, fans in this world tens of thousands I have access instantly available to hundreds of thousands of people if I needed to get a message out to someone about anything, all right? And beyond that, through my friends of friends, and like I'm talking about my friends like, let's just say people like Michael Hyatt, Dan Miller, Ray Edwards, Pat Flynn, John Lee Dumas, Amy Porterfield, and I could name a couple of other names, but with with some of the people that I'm connected to, if I desperately wanted to get a message out, and it was one where, listen, I don't normally ask these people favors, but these are the kinds of relationships that I have where those people that I just mentioned would definitely do me a favor if I was convinced that I, I needed this favor. I, I'm, I'm absolutely certain that they would do that favor for me. I today have access to millions of people if I needed to get a message out. So the reason that, that's but that's today all right and I've I've been it, it's taken me you know more than 12 years to get to the place where I have access to tens of thousands of raving fans hundreds of thousands of people that I can get to even without the help of some of those people that I named but even with the people I've named I could get out I I could get a message out to millions that's today so and and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that and just, I'm going to tell you another story, but the reason why I shared the whole taking out a personal loan when Cliff Ravenscraft—this is well before anything that I was. Well, I, I can't say well before I was doing anything on the internet. I was already doing blogging before it was called blogging. But this is before anybody out there in the world knew me. I, I was, I was, and I was working. Actually, I think I was just getting ready to start working for my mom and dad's insurance agency. This is 22 years ago. I mean, come on. It, you know, so it, it, it was a while ago. So I wanted to share that story because I wanted you to know that if you're thinking, it's like, well, Cliff, that's great for you with the access and all the community and all that stuff you've built, but there's no way you can actually tell me that you would believe that if you knew my circumstances Dude, I've lived your circumstances. And I'm telling you, if you know your outcome and you make a decision and you and I'm not, I'm talking about you made a decision. Okay, okay, we already talked about decide. Let's talk about decision, all right? Okay, what what is the word scission, All right? The original learn word scission is from the Latin to cut. All right? To cut. Have you ever heard of a doctor and, and a doctor's going in to perform surgery, and what do they do? They oftentimes will make an incision. And what is that? They cut something, right? So, so whether, it's d- whether you decide or make a decision, if you decide, you're killing off any other possibility. If you've made a decision, you're literally cutting off any other possibility, all right? But seriously, I don't care what your circumstances are. Once you've decided on an outcome and killed off any other possibility other than that, you truly want this thing and you've decided, the money is there. It's just waiting for you to find it. All you have to do is say, what actions can I take now? And evaluate your results. Did you get the money? No. What other actions can I take? And by the way, I've learned since then, you do not need to borrow money. I've also learned you do not need to put it on a credit card. I've learned that there are a lots of other places that money can be found. I just want to say that for the record. But now that I've gotten that out of the way, now that I've gotten out of the way that the fact that, hey, even when you're paying for gas with rolled up pennies, The money's there if you truly want a brand new computer or or something else that you believe is going to help you take your life to the next level. And that's exactly what those computers I believed would do for me today, or back then, 22 years ago. By the way, think about this. For those of you who know me, think about how I've made a living over the last 12 years of my life. Do you think that the things that I learned by using the latest and most cutting-edge technology and always being on the forefront of it, do you think that has served me well later in life? You better believe it. Do I regret that I took out personal loans back then when I was already tens of thousands of dollars in debt? Absolutely not. Do I believe that I needed to do that? Back then I did. Today I'm absolutely convinced I did not. Okay, but if, by the way, if it wasn't for that mindset of I need the latest computer, I need the latest technology, I I want, I desire, this is my outcome, I've decided I'm going to get this new thing, if I didn't have, if that wasn't a part of who I am and how I approach technology and, and all of this other stuff, Cliff Ravenscraft would have never created a podcast in December of 2005. He probably wouldn't have just talked about himself in the third person either. I don't know where that comes from, by the way. And I know it's a big, huge pet peeve for some people, which, by the way, let me just ask you this. Why is it such a pet peeve for you if it is that people talk about themselves in the third person? I mean, in the English language, we're taught in in grammar what, what the third person is, and it exists. And so, therefore, if Cliff wants to talk about himself in the third person, why is that such a bad thing? Is it because Cliff is a narcissist? I don't know. Anyway, um, but anyway, so so I want to tell you another story, and and the and I, and you'll understand why I told the 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 Cliff back in the day of rolled up pennies gasoline. Uh, so I want to tell you another story. So in many of you have been following my journey. If you have not been following my journey for years or months or whatever. I'll just quickly tell you that my first year in having my own business was not the most profitable year ever. Uh, I had spent 12 years as an insurance agent working for my mom and dad as an insurance agent. I, was, I sold auto home, life, health, and business insurance. I was extremely successful. I'm a great salesperson, by the way. I love to sell things, but only if I believe in them. In fact, I, I can't actually sell anything I don't believe in. If I don't believe something that is is going to absolutely change your life for the better, that is going to serve you and make you closer to becoming who God created you to be, then I can't sell it. But boy, if I believe in something and I believe that it's going to benefit you, and if I believe in you, you you almost don't have a chance. (laughs) I'm sorry, I, I love to sell. I I, selling for me. All I have to do is if I'm convinced, I'm going to share my confidence with you, and I'm going to share my enthusiasm for how it's going to totally, radically improve your life. And you're going to get caught up in it. And it's not just an emotional thing either. But anyway, I digress. This is not an episode on sales. Although, if you take away a couple key insights about sales here, how I sold Joe on giving me the loan and, and and just this whole idea of shared enthousi- enthusiasm and shared confidence. Some of you guys out there just say, man, I hate this. Okay, no, 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 hold on. Wait, I'm not going to make this episode about sales. <laughs> Let's continue to talk about the fact that you always have money. Oh, wait, whoa, 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 You always have plenty of money. There's more than enough money for everything you truly want. But and by the way, the caveat, truly truly want is equivalent to saying this is my outcome and I'm killing off any other possibility. You're you're deciding. Decision time, right? Problem is some of you might actually think about this and say, "No, I can definitely remember a time." No, you did not decide. I'm sorry. Well, by the way, People who come to me and say, Well, Clifford, you know, I, I tried, you know I've tried everything. I, I said this is what I wanted and, and I made that decision and, and I tried. And I said, Well, what, what were you willing to do? I was willing to do anything and I was willing to do everything. Now, of course, you know, we're not asking you to do things that are against your morality and, and, and other things. Some people get called up in that. But, but still, it's like, okay, because wh- wh- I, I often ask people, I said, What are you willing to do? Are, are you willing to do anything? Well, okay, with the exception, of it's like, okay, but outside of that, are you? what are you willing to do? And they'll say anything. So what have you done? Well, you know, I tried this. Okay, what else have you done? I tried this. And, and oftentimes people say, well, I tried everything. No, you didn't. It's, it's not even possible. It is not impossible for anybody to have tried everything to get what they want. Because what? guess what? There are an infinite number of things that you could be trying. What you did typically, what most people have is they usually found three or four things that they could think of trying. They took those actions, oftentimes taking the same action over and over again, getting the same result, which by the way, I don't know why anybody ever says that if you look in the dictionary, that's the definition of insanity. It's not. By the way, the definition of insanity, but uh <laughs> it's still not a good idea if if you've tried something twice and it didn't work both times, try something different uh and And the thing is is usually people people say, well, I've tried everything It's like well, name everything you've tried and and uh I've tried hundreds of things. It's like well name a couple I want to hear at least a hundred of them well, I haven't tried okay I've tried you know tens of it's like tell me ten things you tried." And usually, it's usually right around five, six, or seven things at most. You, I, I love it when I ask this question, and they can only think of two things or one thing they tried and it didn't work and they're convinced now, they've convinced themselves it is not possible. No, you didn't decide, you, you, def- you did not truly decide that there is no other outcome other than achieving this because you stopped. And if you stopped, then you really never committed to that decision. But anyway, I, do, I want to tell you, uh, uh, so, <laughs> so I left my career as an insurance agent. Remember when I started that? I have no idea how I got back on that other part. That's, that's, that's the drawback of not having an outline at the beginning of the episode. But I love this. I'm actually in my zone of genius right now, having fun. And I hope that you're having fun as well. But anyway, I left my career in insurance. I was extremely successful uh, it's as a result of that success that my wife and I became completely 100% debt-free, had a significant uh, uh, saving, what do you call that, emergency fund, and it was what allowed us we, to be in such a finance, financial position that in September of 2017, I was able to walk into my dad's office and say, hey, listen, in 90 days, I'm out of here. I'm going to go create my own business. And, and my, I was thinking my dad would probably talk me out of it, but he said, dude, I think that's an incredible idea. I've been waiting for a long time for you to be able to come in here and tell me that decision. Uh, and he says, Cliff, you're going to succeed well beyond your wildest imagination. And that was an incredible conversation. You, it, it, I think we did that at podcastanswerman.com slash 500. So let me just, if you go to podcastanswerman.com slash 500, and I just want to see if that, that'll that take you to where you can hear this whole origin story. Um, and it'll, by the way, that will pull up a whole lot faster when I talk to my, get things running with uh, my great friend Dan from New Zealand. Uh, my WordPress site's going to be much speedier soon. Yeah. Episode 500, how we created a business around our podcasting episodes, uh, our efforts. That was episode 500, podcastanswerman.com slash 500. If you want to go hear the whole story. But let me just say this real quickly. January 1st, 2008, I'm now 100% full-time self-employed. For the first nine months, I work around the clock, seven days a week without a single day off. And then the rest of the year, I take one day off and work more hours the other six days. By the end of the first year, I ended up making $11,000 net income. $11,000 net income. By the way, even in that year, oh, we did not go into debt, by the way. We did not borrow a single penny from anyone. We did not take any funding from anyone. We lived without debt. Okay? So, I want to say this. Even during that first year, there are plenty of things that I truly wanted, and I got every single one of them. Most of them were business expensive, uh, expenses, and, and, re, uh, and, and the thing is, is that's why I didn't actually end up paying myself a paycheck for the first nine months, but you know what? Guess what? There was plenty of money for all the things I truly wanted, and we made it. it, it, it even when our total personal income was $11,000 net income, we still made it, and I got story after story after story I could share with you, but man, I will tell you, we lived in this tiny small house for the first year, few years that we were... Running this business, our growing family it not i mean we had there it's been the five of us since we started this family but um when it, when we first moved into the house that we moved into we all actually, the, the when we moved into the house, there was only four of us McKenna came along later uh and and the the little tiny bedrooms that our kids had uh the girls were sharing their own bedroom it it long story short let's just say this we we all of a sudden had more family members than we had bedrooms. And then I decided to start a business out of the house. And to say that it was cramped in this little house is is an understatement. And Stephanie's like, man, I really want to move. I want us to ha- build a new house. And for the first few years of the business, just like the first few years of our marriage, financially things were tight. There's a lot of things I didn't know back then. I didn't know what I didn't know. And so things financially were very tight. And Stephanie is always wanting to talk about moving to that next house, moving to that next house. And and by the way, Stephanie tells me every time I tell this story, she goes, you make it sound like I'm so materialistic. That has nothing to do with it. My my wife's desire to move into the new house had nothing to do with materialism. It had to do with her greatest desire of her heart to live inside of her zone of genius. And that's a story I'll let Stephanie tell you sometime. All right. Um, and, and, and it's, it's an inspiring story in and of itself. But here's what I will tell you is that I knew that why Stephanie wanted a new house and I wanted it for her, but I just didn't have the money. I, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't, so, it, I knew it, it's something that Stephanie truly wanted. It wasn't yet something I truly wanted. I I had not yet decided that we needed a new house unfortunately. I, I, I guess if I would have done it back then, I, I should have probably going back, but I didn't. I, I, I put that one off for a couple years. Thing is, is Stephanie also came up, you know, Megan, my daughter, she was uh, doing dance team at the time, and they were going on all of these, you know, excursions to dance meet uh, competitions, and my wife wanted to not only take my daughter, but all of her daughter's friends, because it, again, this whole zone of genius. My 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 wife's zone of genius is to be a mentor, not to our only to our children, but our children's friends. And Stephanie's greatest desire as a parent has been to be the mom where all the all her kids' friends want to hang out at our house and go do things with our family. That that our kids are never really enticed to and tempted to want to go and spend the night at other people's house that that the default if someone is a friend of our children and somebody and, and they want to have a sleepover if they want to have they want to host a party they want to do anything uh that that our house or going in our car that 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 would stephanie was desire she wanted to be that mom that's her and again we i'll let her talk about her zone of genius some other time by the way you can check out stephanie's podcast she's got a brand new solo podcast it's called thriving mosaic with stephanie ravenscraft go check it out thriving mosaic giving her a little shout out here um anyway so yeah um so Stephanie wants, wants the new house, but then she, she's, you know, doing all this driving around stuff and, she, you know, she's driving the minivan that's several years old and she, she wants a new car. And specifically, she wanted a Toyota Highlander. And this, again, something Stephanie truly wanted, but eh, I, I hadn't yet been convinced of, of the things that this is something that I truly wanted. Eventually, uh, and by the way, I I knew why Stephanie wanted the brand new Highlander. And it wasn't, again, material things. It was to fulfill what I have since learned is her zone of genius and what her true calling in this world is. Did not know it back then. So here's what happened. Stephanie and I, believe it or not, I I don't know if this will come as a shock to you, but my wife and I had some disagreements from time to time. I mean, we are madly in love with each other. But we had some disagreements over money from time to time. I don't know if you can identify with that, but in our marriage, there had been some disagreements over time. And just like, Cliff, it just seems like every time you want something, it's just a business expense, but it blah, blah, blah. And if I want something and it's like, and it's like, man, okay, well, yeah, I guess you're kind of right, but I don't like that you're right. And I'm going to pretend that you're not right in my own mind. I'm going to, I'm going to ignore that fact and I'm going to be hurt and offended. And we're going to have this argument and, and back and forth. And I remember a guy named Jim Munchback, and he's this financial advisor kind of guy, and he offered to get on a call and and do some mentoring for us. And I don't even remember everything on that call, but he's like, it's, it came. I I do remember that it's like, hey, what is it that you can do to help Stephanie achieve her dreams? And that just that question started to shift something in my mind, and as soon as I started to do that, I started to investigate, what are Stephanie's dreams? Why does she want this new house? Why does she want this new car? And, and when I started to evaluate and investigate why she wanted these things, I started to want them for her. I started to truly want them for her. Do you, did, you, did you hear the difference? By the way, at first, I started to want them for her but eventually i started to truly want them for her all right now the thing is is our let's just fast forward you know that $11,000 year that was that was 2008 we're going to fast forward here to 2013 this is when stephanie's talking about this highlander at the be- well it actually starts that starts way back at 2012 2012 is when stephanie truly wants it but cliff doesn't um but it was 2000, early 2013 that all of a sudden we have this conversation with my friend Jim Munchback. And then here's what happens is over the course of a couple weeks and then a couple months, I start deciding, I, I, somewhere along that process, I decided that I wanted to, I, I truly wanted Stephanie to have her new car. I truly, I, I truly wanted Stephanie to have her new car. And, and I saw the potential, and I asked myself, if, okay, how much does this cost? And Stephanie says, that's easy. It's, it's like thirty two or $35,000, somewhere between thirty two to $35,000. I'm like, what? And then once I got over the shock, I said, okay. And I just internalized that for a little while. I didn't tell her why I asked or anything like that. I just wanted to know. And so what I began to do is I said, okay, I truly want this. This is my outcome. I, I, my outcome, I am now deciding, and I'm committing. Now, I didn't have this language back then. I didn't know about this formula back then. But now that I go back, I know this is, how, wh- this is why things ended up the way they did. And, and that, now, it's, now that I have this language, now that I understand how this works, dude, I can get anything I want out of life. Did you hear what I just said That there? I'm convinced of that. I am not going to tell you something I don't believe wholeheartedly is true. Now that I know how this process works, I know that I can achieve just about anything, actually anything in life. And the reason why I can say anything is because I have to believe what it is that I want is possible first. And and, and by the way, my ability to dream big dreams and still see and believe them as being possible, it's pretty big stuff today. And so, yeah, anyway... Not to get too sidetracked here, because I, I, I finished this in nine minutes. We'll see. <laughs> so the, here's the deal. Uh, I, I committed to myself, not to Stephanie not to anybody else. I committed to myself. I want, I want Stephanie to have her Highlander. Now, without telling her that, I, I, I knew how much it was. It's like, okay, now how do I get it? And so I started doing things in my business. I started creating new products and services in my business. I started doing extra things here and there, and I was putting money aside, holding it aside, And by the way, I found a way that I could buy that as a business expense. I could save a minimum of thirty percent, which, by the way, would be my personal income tax. Blah 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 blah. All that stuff. I was going to have the bus. I I was going to buy it as a business expense, and it would be Ravenscraft Enterprises LLC owned. I mean, Stephanie is the primary person who drives and does all the things that are related to this business. She's going to the post office consistently. She's going to UPS and FedEx, and she's going to get shopping supply. I mean, she is. I mean, she. is the business runner in our business. So it it, it it all works out. Talk to CPA, everything. Well, I talked to him. I didn't talk to anybody else. But I, I already knew I was going to... So I was tucking away money in my business in a little fake account inside of QuickBooks. I was tucking away, you know, a couple thousand here, a couple thousand there, a couple thousand here, 10000 there because I, I started doing something, I started getting very serious about what I was doing and how I was using my time and how much I charged. And, and basically what happened was Stephanie didn't know that I was doing this. And Stephanie's like, hey, let's go on a cruise. And I'm like, what? And she goes, let's go on a cruise. How much is that going to cost? Turns out that was $10,000. And I'm like, okay, let's go on a cruise. That held that that held back a little bit of my. It took a little bit of extra of my money, and I'm like, okay, <sighs> okay. So we decided to go on the cruise, but I'm still committed to this outcome. I now needed to evaluate the results of where I was, and I'm like, okay, now I'm couple, <laughs> I'm I'm quite a bit less than what I had in the account before. I was getting pretty close to buying this car for her, but then I'm like, okay, well now <laughs> evaluating this result uh, or the results. What new actions can I take to replace that? And I found something to replace it and practically, now I say practically overnight, it took about two weeks to replace the, um, the full amount of going on that cruise. And, and when I learned how to do that, then I took that action three more times and all of a sudden had the money to pay it in full. So we're going to the post office one day and uh, with the family of five. To get our family's portraits taken, or to, or to, we had taken our, actually, we went to Kinko's first, got our pictures taken for our passports, went to the post office to apply for our passports for my kids, for our kids, and for myself and Stephanie, because we needed to update our passports. So we do that, and after we leave the, the post office, and by the way, we needed the passports for the cruise. So, um, now this is several weeks after, <clears throat> excuse me, several weeks after we had signed up for the cruise and, and now we did this passport thing and the kids asked me this question. Hey dad, do you want to go to uh, Toyota and test drive a Highlander? And my mom, or my mom, their mom, my wife looks at them and like rolls her eyes. And I said, yes. And you should have saw Stephanie's face. What? And the kids are like, what? And I, yeah, I said, yeah, let's go test drive a Highlander. Because guess what? This guy right here, I had the money for it. So uh, we go to Toyota. And we get into a Highlander and we go test drive it. And guess what? Stephanie absolutely hated it. She it hated it and so did i i thought it was terrible and by the way if you own a toyota hand highlander i apologize to you i don't i but we hated it for our own reasons by the way one of the biggest reasons why she wanted this car remember was the um fact that she wanted to take not only megan but all of her friends to these dance competitions when they're going on the road And when it comes to the, you know, she wanted the, you know, she wanted the three row seating so that's seven passenger or eight, I don't know how many, let's see, one, two, three in the back, four, five, six, seven, eight, wait, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So it's an eight passenger vehicle. So she wanted the eight passenger vehicle. She wanted to be able to have the three rows of seating, but behind the third row of seating, she wanted to have enough room to put this massive collapsible, but still massive, massive even when it's collapsed, Clothing rack, because they had all of their dance, I mean, every girl had, like, four different outfits to dance in, and it, it's insane how much they would take around, and there's, and the the Highlander that we test drove had this little tiny space. If you Now, if you put this back row seating down, there's plenty of space, but with the back row seating up, sorry, pal, you're not putting anything like that back here. <clears throat> for that reason alone, it negated what everything Stephanie wanted that vehicle for. So I sit there and I said, hey, Honda's right next door. Do you want to go over and check out Honda? And she goes, yeah, we could test drive a Pilot. Now, I happen to know a little bit about the difference between a Honda Pilot and a Toyota Highlander because guess who, while they were saving up for the money, was also researching all of the different uh, eight passenger vehicles. Yeah, this guy right here. So I said, that's cool. Let's go over and test it out. And by the way, we got in an, into a 2013 Honda Pilot and we cruised down the road. By the way, the first thing we did was put all this, we made sure all the third row seating was up. Um, the three kids, I think, got in. It, it, well, they got in. Uh, and even with the third row seating up behind it, there's still plenty of room, lots of extra room, much more room than the Toyota Highlander. And then we got on the road and the handling of that vehicle and and the the smooth ride because of the suspension and the the look of the interior the feel of this thing oh my gosh we were both in love with this car and stephanie you could just tell she was in ecstasy and she goes i love this car i want this car and i said let's go buy it and she goes what Let's go buy it. I've been saving up money, um, and and I'm ready. I'm. Let's go buy it right now. And so we went back to the car dealership, paid thirty eight thousand dollars in cash, and we bought that Honda Pilot. The well, the business did, and we've had it ever since. And my wife has put it's it's well over a hundred thousand miles on it since two thousand thirteen. And she has used it for the express purpose of her dream, and it has helped her accomplish her mission and goal and purpose in this world like no other vehicle could ever do. And we made that possible because I truly wanted that car for Stephanie, and it was my outcome, and there was no other possibility than getting that car for my wife. But that's not the end of the story. But it is an hour into the episode. Well, 59 minutes and two seconds. Question for you. How would you feel if I stopped right here and telling you this story? Probably not too great. So with that, because you're still here and you're invested in this story, I'm going to continue on for as long as it takes to tell the rest of the story. In spite of the fact that I know some people will see that this ultimately ends up being an hour and 20 minutes, maybe more, I don't know, and decide, okay, it's one of those episodes, not going to listen. But for you guys, for you right now hearing my voice, I'm not going to stop. I want to tell you, so we we got there, uh, we, we, we've got the car, we come home, and I have a conversation with Stephanie. I said, listen, Stephanie, I've been saving for this because I know what this means to you. I know how i know about your dream and i the and that conversation with jim munchback a couple months ago really had a profound impact on me and i made a decision that you must have this vehicle well not this one we i thought it was the highlander but you know the whole deal. she was, she was like oh my gosh thank you so much she she was beside herself i mean you you just imagine she had no clue this was coming <clears throat> now i had some leverage here right leverage. So I said, Stephanie, I know that you also have another dream and I want it for you really bad, but I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. Can we, you know, things are going really well in our business. And she goes, yeah, I know. But as well as things are, I'd like to see a little bit more of a track record. I mean, I part of me, I, I know this is crazy thinking, and by the way, Looking back, I can tell you it was crazy thinking. It was limiting beliefs at the time. But I can but I can say that now easily. But back then, I was thinking, I don't know if this is just a fluke, this year of 2013 that we've just had. This is more money than we've ever made before in our life. This is insane. I And quite frankly, I don't know if it'll happen again. <laughs> Have you ever been there, by the way? Yeah, that was my mindset, and I said, "So I'd like you to i i'd like i'd like you to do me a favor. Would you be willing? Is it possible that you and I could not have a single discussion about moving into a new house until January? I, and I can't remember if it was 2015 or 16. I can't remember which one, but it was either two or three years down the road." I mean, I know that our house is cramped, and I know that I hate working in this little tiny office, which, you know, and, and, and with my daughter, Megan, who's a teenager on the opposite side of the wall with no padding in between the wall. I mean, it, it's, it's just drywall, and she's doing her teenage style lifestyle in that room, and, and here I am trying to work in this little eight foot by nine and a half foot room, and and clients coming over and it, 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 it was insane. And, but I, I know all of that. But here's the thing. Can we both agree that we, we want and desire a new house and I want it for you? By the way, didn't truly want it. I want you to hear this. I only wanted it. I didn't truly want it. So knowing that we both want a new house, Can we both agree that no matter how things are financially, how great things might be financially right now, and even if they continue, can we agree to not have the discussion about a new house until this date? And it was a January of either 2015 or 2016. I can't remember which one. And she said, yes, absolutely agreed. And it's like, yes, Our number one kind of discussion that would lead to a money fight—we've just tabled that discussion for at least at that point. I think it was at least two years, and so, or at least a year and a half, anyway. And so, uh, so it's it because it was June of 2013, right when this happened. So here's the deal: Uh, it's almost time for us to go for our cruise. Our passports came in. Stephanie's had her car for several weeks. We are, you know, and and it's literally just a few days before we leave for the cruise. Now w- Stephanie comes into the into my office, working from home obviously. Uh she comes into the office, she goes, "Listen, you know that conversation we had the other day and I said about what?" She goes, "About the house." I said, "Yes." She goes, I need to let you know right now. I'm going to say something to you. I'm going to ask you something, but I want you to understand that I am fully committed to the, the, the commitment that you and I had in our agreement. The, the, There's there no expectation. I don't want to talk about moving into a new house. Don't want to, please hear me. There is no expectation in what I'm about ready to ask you. And I said, Okay. She goes, but you know how every single time we've talked about building a new house, I've always given you a really hard time. Like, I've had a really negative attitude, like saying, oh, you know, why don't you know why we talk about a new house? Because there's absolutely no way we're ever going to find a house that we both agree on. You like contemporary, and I like a little bit more country, and... Uh floor plans we just have such vastly different ideas of what a floor plan for a house of ours should ever look like i mean, i don't even know because we would get into some I, guys i'm sorry if i if i 'm blowing your mind here with the idea that Stephanie and I ever argued about anything, but we did and she goes she goes, but you know how I told you we would never find she goes megan and I have were we just had some free time to kill, driving around in miss Piggy. Which, by the way, Miss Piggy is the name for the 2013 Honda Pilot. And she was called Miss Piggy for a reason. She's a gas hog. <laughs> She's a gas hog. And so, so uh, she goes, we were driving around in Miss Piggy. And, and Megan asked me, hey, do you want to go look at model homes? You know, we're, we've got some time to kill. She goes, as long as you don't bring anything up to dad, then yes, we'll go look at model homes. So they went and drove around and saw some different model homes she got on the phone i her, i guess her dad called her and dad says her dad says hey what you doing and she says oh we're just driving around looking at model homes he goes oh did you look at the Arlinghouse house home cuz he pours concrete uh for for all right ready mix at the time and and they did all the concrete work for Arling house he goes, man they build the best houses they're the most reputable and he knows he's he's in he knows the people anyway they have the best reputation and they have gorgeous homes you should stop by and see that so she and Megan drive over to this uh house on in in hebron this this model home for Arling house builders and uh she comes home and she says i, I so Megan and I were doing this this is what happened we walked in she goes." My question for you, without getting upset, understanding I do not expect anything, we will not have any discussion about buying or building a new house. She goes, I just wanted to show you that I believe that it finally, she goes, I finally believe it's possible. It may be possible that there is a floor plan in existence that you and I both could agree on. And, I, and it's in this model home. And I'd, I'd like to know, would you be willing to come look at this house with me and Megan? And, I, and she goes, with the understanding that we're not buying it, and I I get that. We both, I told Megan, this is not happening, but I just want dad to see it, just to see if, he, if I'm right, is this a house, is this a, a floor plan that we would both agree on? And so with that conversation, uh, prefacing it, I said, sure, let's go look at it. So we drive over to the model home in Miss Piggy, pull up. And we walk in the door, and I look at the kitchen, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is beautiful. And then I look over to the left, and I look at this big, huge, open floor plan, seeing straight from this beautiful, gorgeous kitchen, a kitchen like no kitchen I've ever seen before, and then all the way into this massively huge living room, and it's gorgeous. And then I come around the corner, I look to the left, and I see this beautiful foyer, and then I see the stairs that lead upstairs and the stairs that lead downstairs and we go upstairs and I look at the floor plan to the right of, after you go to the top of the steps, over to the right you see this awesome loft area where you can just envision this is where the kids would hang out on a big huge couch and, and there'd be a TV over here and, and this would be the place that just just, kids just lounge after school or on the weekends or little gatherings that they have. And then I, there there are bedrooms, and by the way, the smallest bedroom in the house is bigger than the biggest bedroom in our old house, and that would be McKenna's room, she says. And look at these, all these, every single room in this house, every bedroom in this house had a walk-in closet. Then, <clears throat> excuse me, then there's this beautiful bathroom over here, and then there's these other two bedrooms. And uh, this would be Matthew's room. One of these would be Matthew's room. One of these would be Megan's room. And they're huge. And then there's this massive, awesome laundry room that's on the same floor as all of the bedrooms, which is a big, huge dream of Stephanie's. And then we walk into the master bedroom. And I look at this master bedroom and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Wow, this is like a place where you would go on retreat. You know, this this is absolutely, oh my gosh, look at that nook over there. We could put reading chairs there. It's it's like, what? And then this big, and the, the bathroom is unbelievable off of the master bedroom it's got this big huge gigantic massive soaking tub it's got this huge glass stand up shower it's got, it's got two it's and the walk-in closet the walk-in closet for the master bedroom is as big as our son's bedroom in the old house what Okay, now this is already... And I'm like, okay, now I see why Stephanie said this is is a floor plan that we would both agree on because I'm like in love with this floor plan. Stephanie is in love with this floor plan. But then we go downstairs. So we go back to the main floor. But then we go down to the basement. And in the basement, it's massive. By the way, the basement of the home, 1,200 square feet. That's more square footage than our old house just the basement. Now they had not finished the entire basement. So you come down the steps going into the basement and it's, and everything you can see right there is finished. But over to the right, there's a door right at the bottom of the steps. There's a, there's a door and that door leads into an unfinished area. Right in front of you, there's a door when you come down the basement. So that the unfinished area is over to the right. If you come down the steps and directly in front of you, there's a door and there's a bathroom there. Then if you go if you just look to the right, you're in a living room so that's so it's a living room right there, and there's a couch sitting down there, and it's like it's a walkout basement, so there's a door so you can walk outside but then, on this wall kind of if if you can imagine, you walk down the steps, the bathroom's directly in front of you, but you look to the left of the bathroom there's a there's a wall there, and there's a door uh, just to the left of the bathroom on that long wall, and you open that door. And it's a big, huge room that's unfinished. It's unfinished basement. I opened that door, and I am not kidding you. The first instant, immediate thought in my mind was, wow. I could totally see having a studio in here. My office could be in a space like this. And not only that, but this area, I could see buying little conference tables and hosting live events in this area. Oh my gosh, that's am- this is cool. Yes, Stephanie, this is the floor plan. I would love this floor plan. So we, we, we kind of visited... And that, but we both, we we walked away and we, you know, after we all hopped back into Miss Piggy and driving home, we we reinforced the conversation. Okay, we know that we're not going to do anything right away, you know, we both agree. It's like, but yes, when we're ready, this is, we we want, this this is the kind of floor plan we want. Well, that night, we went to bed. Well, we went to bed, but I did not go to sleep. I couldn't sleep not at all I, I i there's there's no way i could have slept that night because all i could do was think about that unfinished area of the basement wow and i and i just sitting there thinking what would life be like if i had that place as my office and so and that was literally that thought all night long for eight hours straight, just laying back in my head, asking that question over and over again. What would life be like if I worked in that space instead? What would life be like if I could host live events in that space? What And, and that question would not go away. So the next day, that next morning, I sit there, Stephanie got up and I said, I have a question for you. And She goes, what's that? Any chance you want to go over and uh, take a look at that model home again? She goes, yes. (laughs) She didn't hesitate. So we drive over to the model home, and uh, we were there for over four hours. We were at the model home for over four hours. Do you want to know where I spent most of those four hours, like three hours and 45 minutes of the four hours, I sat on the couch that was in the finished section of the basement. I opened the door to the unfinished section of the basement so that you could see into that space. And I literally closed my eyes. And I'm not kidding you. I saw where I'm sitting right now. As clear as I could, by the way, my eyes are closed right now because right now I actually see myself sitting on the couch in the finished portion of the model basement of the model home. But I'm going to tell you right now, even with my eyes closed, sitting on that couch, I saw clearly exactly what I would see right now, if I were to open my eyes, I'm opening my eyes right now, and I'm looking right in front of me, I'm now looking over to the right, I'm actually looking at the conference tables, sitting there right in front of me, I'm looking at the whiteboard at the front of the of, of that room, I'm looking at the, the instructor table where my laptop would be when I'm actually doing the instruction Everything in this room, I literally saw it as clear as what I'm seeing it here in the physical, real world. And as I sat on that couch, I decided this is my outcome. I must have this. Now, I'm deciding at this moment in time, What actions can I take right now that will get this closer to reality? Number one, I told Stephanie, she says, I'm on board. (laughs) She was on board way before me, but she was going to let me wait until my promised couple years down the road. But now, now Cliff truly wanted it. Do you see the difference? Now, here's the thing. My wife and I had been debt free. Except for the mortgage on our old house, my wife and I had been debt free since February two thousand seven, and we're absolutely convinced we'll never, we do not ever want to go into debt again. We're okay with a mortgage, but quite frankly, we bought our old home uh, right when we learned about Dave Ramsey. We're getting ready to go onto the Dave Ramsey plan before we bought the home that we lived in before that little home that we I've been talking about. We bought that home just before we started the Dave Ramsey plan. I think it was like 2005, no, 2003, 2000, maybe it might have been 2012. Anyway, excuse me, we bought it a long time ago. And, but when we did it, we were still in debt. We still had credit card debt, which we were almost, I mean, we were paying down aggressively, right? But we still had debt. Uh, our emergency fund, because we hadn't finished paying off credit card debt at that time in 2000. Wait, did I say 2012? I, I gosh, I couldn't, that can't be right because no, it was 2002. Yeah, 2002 so i think it's 2002 that we or no you know what i think it might be too it, it's written in the concrete on the driveway by the way i could go over there and find out but anyway it's, it's not important but we we bought the house when we were still in credit card debt and we only had a thousand dollar emergency fund and we did not have a down payment for this for that house and so I'm like, but guess what? We decided that we wanted it. Uh, we, tr- we truly wanted that house. And, w- and it's like, okay, we made the decision. What actions can we take? How are we going to make this possible? We're going to make this possible. And, and back then, of course, you ha- you've probably heard of the housing crisis of 2008, the collapse of the economy because of the housing market. And it's because of all these loans that people were able to get where you, could, you didn't ha- you could buy a house with no money down. Well, guess what? Cliff and Stephanie were a couple who had no money down for a house, but they sure did have good credit, and when you had good credit and you had no money, guess what? You could still get a house. Yep. We took out a, we we, we said, we're going to start the Dave Ramsey plan, but before we start the Dave Ramsey plan, we are going to take one massive, stupid action and do something that is absolutely, hands down, not Dave Ramsey approved. Not that we want his approval anyway, but we we actually literally took out a 103% loan on the house that we lived in before this one, knowing for a fact that we could afford it, all right? Because remember I told you I'd been selling insurance. My income was going up and up and up and up and up and up. Up. And so it, there, there was no question in my mind that we could not only buy and afford this house with the high mortgage rate uh, that is associated with it, with what's called PMI. But when you when you don't put it down a minimum of twenty percent of of the value of the house, if you don't put at least twenty percent down as a down payment on the on the house, then you actually have to pay what's called PMI or or it's mortgage insurance. And so we had the I. I, I Gosh, it was a little tiny house and our mortgage payment was like $1,300 a month. But anyway, um, it, it, we, we determined, it's like, listen, so we think that that is, we, we would never make that decision again, right? So that, that, was, that was already a no-brainer. 2013, we had, just done, we had just signed up for a cruise. In fact, we're getting ready to go on a cruise. <laughs> Remember that? We're getting ready to go on a cruise that costs us a lot of money for five people to go on a Disney cruise, if you can imagine and all the things associated with that. I just paid $38,000 for a 2013 Honda Pilot. And now, you know, our business is doing pretty well, but now there's this house that I desperately want. I truly want. I've, I desire. I've, I've made a decision, and now it's an outcome. Now, action number one, what must we do? Well, first of all, let's give us some qualifications. We're not, we're not going, we, we are, we'll allow ourselves to take out a mortgage, but we must have we must never again pay do, do a mortgage where we don't pay a minimum of 20% down so um we we instantly said okay well first of all we need to go and figure out what what we want in this house what by the way the the model home was beautiful but it had a formica countertop. Now we had a formica countertop in our kitchen in our old home, and formica countertops for us, we'd actually had one replaced twice. And to our, our experience has been is that those little things on the ledges and edges start peeling away, and it and and it's it's just not something we wanted. So I was convinced that listen, if we're gonna buy, if we're gonna build a home that we love this much, we want to upgrade some things. So number one. Um, I, I do not want a Formica countertop. I want a granite countertop. So let's figure out if we're going to, if we're going to dream, let's dream big dreams here. All right. If we're going to dream, let's dream big. So, so we got granite t- countertop. Now the other thing is, is not that there's anything wrong with linoleum, but you know, every house that I've ever had and all this other stuff has linoleum in the bathrooms and you know, over time they, they, they wear and I'm like, listen, I don't want linoleum on any floor in any room in this house. Uh, so therefore, that is, that is not going to happen. So in all of the bathrooms, I wanted the, the nicest stone floor we could put in. And our, our kitchen and our foyer and our mudroom, all hardwood floor. Hand-sanded hardwood floors. Now, by the way, years ago, when I was like 18 years old, I used to install hardwood floors, not pre-laminate hardwood floors. I installed manually installing oak, ripping the the surface off of those with these big, huge sanders, and then getting down and hand sanding the rest of it. Uh, I worked for Huff Floor Covering, and I happen to know that Huff Floor Covering actually is the contractor for hardwood floors that the Arling House builders used. I want a huff floor covering hardwood floor in this house, and, and it's like so we I mean upgrade out and I want by the way the bit the basement I am going to design it to be my business and I want it done right and I want it done my way and i don't want any cut corners uh, there is there will not be an unfinished space in my house, and I'm talking about even the closets in my house are finished and they're like are you sure you want drywall in the closets uh, underneath the stairs yes and i want it sanded i want it taped i want it painted and i want a light i want carpeting i i want what i want i'm dreaming big don't d- listen if you're going to sell me this house you're going to sell me this house the way that i want it our house ends up being the most expensive house in our neighborhood because of this but that's okay. All I needed to know is this number one what's the total cost of this house number two what's the what's twenty percent of that so that's my down payment. I know that and how long do I have to, to take how long do I have if we sign the contract, how long do I have to pay for this house or to, to, to give you the the money? And so, by the way, this is literally two days before we go on the cruise. Remember the cruise? So, so here's the thing. Um, we uh, she she says, okay. First of all, you can secure the lot, but we. And by the way, we found the lot that we wanted to, which is the only lot that would work for us. Uh, and we were at, a, at we, and it's the best lot in the neighborhood. And I'm like, we want that lot. She goes, well, you can secure that lot all it would take is $1000 down that is your deposit by the way that's refundable if you end up deciding not to move move forward it'll hold it for 30 days and i said okay done deal now and she oh and she goes and that $1000 deposit will go towards your down payment on the house okay so I'm not going to tell you the actual cost of the house, but I realized that when I tell you what you needed as per, 20% down, you'll be able to, some of you, I'm not a math guy, so I, I'd ha, I wouldn't be able to do it unless I asked my friend Mark Mason to do it, because <clears throat> Mark, Mark does that kind of math for me all the time. But anyway, I asked, how much total do we need to, as a down payment on the home? Well, you know, which which is the twenty percent? And it was sixty-seven thousand dollars. We needed sixty-seven thousand dollars cash. But and I said, when is that due? At the closing. When is the closing? The closing wouldn't happen until the house is completed. If we gave you a deposit of one thousand dollars today, you're telling me that I would need sixty-six thousand dollars at closing. If we gave you the $1,000 today, when would construction start? She gave us the date. How long would construction take? When could we expect the closing? She says probably about May of 2014. Yes, May of 2014. I said, so you're telling me I can give you $1,000 today, but I do not owe you the other $66,000 there won't be any other money, not a single penny due between now and May of 2014. Is that what you're telling me? She says, "Yes." Here's the $1,000. We literally wrote the check for $1,000 and I'm and, and and by the way, I still did not know about this formula. I did not know the or the this whole idea of of know your outcome, decide and all that. this is just how, this is how I, I I, this is why I know that formula works, this is why I know that there's always plenty of money, because it's like, it was just like the days when I needed a computer, I had decided, there is no way I'm not living in this house, you got to understand, when I sat down in that model home for four hours that day, at that moment in time, by the time we left there, there was no reality There was no way, there was no option. I had killed any other possibility other than the fact that I would be living and working right here in the office that I'm sitting in right now within one year. There was no possibility where this was not my reality. I truly wanted it. But I needed $66,000 more dollars. By the way, this house is not owned by Ravenscraft Enterprises. (laughs) So guess what that means? I needed an extra $66,000 after taxes. (laughs) So you might imagine, and you could probably understand, especially those of you who own your own business, and you understand that you have your taxes taken out for your Medicare and Social Security and all those other things, but then the business also has to cover a little bit. You get the idea. I needed way more than $66,000 to be generated, to be able to pay myself 66000 extra dollars. By the way, we still had the mortgage on the other house. We hadn't sold that thing yet, and we didn't know how long it would take to sell, and we wouldn't actually even try to sell it until we were actually moved into the new house. So it, it's, it's, this is literally an extra And not only that, we asked ourselves, we asked, what would be the mortgage payment? at let's just say I don't I don't I'm not going to lock anybody into this but what would be the mortgage if if the rates didn't change too much it may maybe, maybe it goes up a point or two what would be our mortgage payment because I need to know what I need to, I need the 66 extra $1000 but I also need to know how much the mortgage payment is for the new house so that we can add that on top of the mortgage payment for the old house because that will be the expectation so I also need the ongoing income to cover that additional expense, let's just say in the worst case scenario that the old house takes a year or two to sell, which it was crazy, it wouldn't do because of the housing market, but still I like to play worst case scenario here. So I, I needed a lot of extra money, but guess what? I have always found it to be true, ever since I learned the principle, you always have plenty of money for everything you truly want so I knew I was going to do it. There was no other possible. I would do whatever it takes. And by the way, I always ask this question, what are you not willing to do? Well, number one, I'm not willing to go deeper into debt. Now, yes, I was willing to get a different mortgage than one that I had previously, you know, so I was willing to do, but I'm not willing to do anything less than 20% down. And I'm not willing to, you know, it's like, so there, it's like, okay, so I need this. I must come up with this without going into debt outside of the mortgage after the $67,000 $67, total. So what did I do? At the time, I'm doing podcasting A to Z. And I'm doing it four times a year. That's 20 students per session uh, paying $2,000 a piece. As you can tell, do the math on that. That's $40,000 for four weeks of my time. I did that four times a year. That's I, And I'd been doing that for a couple years. And so, it's like, hey, I know what I could do. I could just go ahead and do two more sessions of podcasting A to Z here in 2013. So, as soon as we get back from the cruise, remember the cruise? As soon as we get back from the cruise, I'm going to add two more sessions. I'm going to do one in late October, and I'm going to do one in December. All right? Those were not on the schedule before. And... Not only am I going to add two more, but I'm not going to limit those sessions to 20 students. I'll take as many as I can fit into it. So what happened was I ended up adding those two. One session, now I'm not great at math, so I'm going to do some math on, on, my, on my calculator on my phone here. So the first session that I did, the first extra session I did, I had 38 students who each paid $2,000. That's $76,000 generated from that podcasting A to Z course. The one in December, by the way, had... So, seventy. remember 76,000. Oh, goodness. I'm going to mess this up. 76,000. The next one had 32 students in it. So, 32 times 2,000 is 64 plus the 76,000. Okay, and 140000 So here's what I want to tell you. Get this. Had I not decided that I must have the outcome of being in this house within one year, I would have never generated that $140,000. Did you hear what I just said? The $140,000 was there for me the whole time. But I would have never generated the $140,000 had I not decided to build the house. And I want you to think about this. It's like, well, gosh, Cliff, that just seems so so selfish of you to just instantly want this house. I mean, do you know how many people around the world who don't have uh, even a 1,200-square-foot house? I mean, blah, blah, blah. You could have got by. Just imagine what you could have done with that $140,000 in different ways. We're not even going to go into that stuff because that that's just not the way I think, all right? If you only knew what this house has done, since the day we moved into it, it is definitely a fulfillment of my, God, of my wife's mission, the, the, the mission that God laid on Stephanie's heart. She lives it day by day in his house and has done it since the day we've moved in. She was doing it before to a certain extent, but she was able to take her God-given mission and purpose on this earth to the next level when we built this house. And that is $140,000 that would have never been generated. Now, the thing is, is, it's like, well, where did that $140,000 come from? That's a good question. That $140,000, so I'm going to do the math here. I'm going to just divide that by 2,000. That's 70 people. That's 70 people who paid me $2,000 each get this that 70 people who had a podcast in 2013 who never would have had a podcast in 2013 had i not decided to build this house that 70 people who got to work with me as their personal coach for 4 weeks where by the way All 70 of those people absolutely loved and were thrilled with the value that they got out of the course, and all 70 of them would tell you that they got more value out of the first week than they expected to get out of the entire course. That's 70 people that I served and built relationships with that I would have never known in 2013 had I not decided to build the house. The fact that I made the desire to truly want something and that I must have it, and that I've decided there is no other possibility that I will have it. All I need to know is what do I need to make it possible, and that whatever it takes, with the exception of things that go against who I am and what I believe in, and my identity and and my morality. But outside of that, am I willing to do whatever it takes? Am I willing to work all the extra hours to serve 70 people instead of 40 people, yes, I'm willing to do it. And I'm willing to do it with great fervor and love, knowing how it's going to help me accomplish what I most want right now, which is the reality of living and working in this space versus what we had before. And because I truly wanted it, I then found out what I was, what was necessary. Now, the thing is, is if you do all the math on that, you realize that we had more than the $67,000 to pay on the down payment. Not only did we have the $67,000 cash, and by the way, those two extra A to Z courses are not the only things extra that I did. Um, There are a few other things that I did. We also paid over $30,000 in cash for furnishing every single room in this house. Um, I think there are only two things that came from the old house. My Ikea desk, which is here I'm sitting at, came from the old house. And I think there's one other thing that came from the old house. Everything else that we ever had in our life had been hand-me-downs. We'd never bought a piece of furniture outside of this desk. We had never even purchased a piece of furniture for ourselves because we'd always been in so much debt and all this other stuff. We just couldn't afford it. So, but... We, but we paid cash. We paid cash for an, our, our bedroom set in our bedroom. It's gorgeous. All of our kids' beds, brand new beds, gorgeous. Dressers, gorgeous. Our couch, gorgeous. And it's not just any couch. We didn't go to furniture fair. We went to Pottery barn. Uh, we we went to Restoration Hardware and got our table. I mean, it, the, our this stuff is, exqu- it's beautiful. And we paid cash. How is this possible? Because it's because we always have plenty of money for the things we truly want. We always have plenty of money for the things we truly want. I wanted to share that story with you. And here's what I will also tell you. As a result of that decision, I realized that I could do uh, instead of doing just 4 a to z sessions i proved that people would be willing to take an a to z session even around thanksgiving and christmas time which was a limiting belief of mine prior to that because prior to needing to figure out what could i do well i'm going to sell a, a session right around thanksgiving and right around christmas and guess what people signed up I would have never even tried it had I not had this true true want, this desire, this outcome that I was committed to, decided that it's only other possibility. And as a result of that, for the next several years, I did six sessions of podcasting every year. And as a result of that, by the way, I made a lot more money every year. And I didn't even need it. <gasps> what? Yes. Ah, anyway, I'll share one other story with you. And and, and, and I know this is the longest episode ever, but I believe this one's a valuable one. And, and, and only those who are truly committed to having their mindset expanded about money are truly even listening at this point. Most people saw that this thing's over an hour and 40 minutes, which is what it is right now and, and decided not to listen ahead of time. I, I feel bad about that. I wish I wish they would have listened. I really do. But you're listening. And that's why I'm continuing with this. So as you know, the Free the Dream conference is coming up. September 7th, 8th, and 9th. The kind of story, this mindset stuff, helping you change your belief system, helping you think about things in a completely different way, helping you change your belief about who you are and what you can possibly achieve in this world. That's exactly what... What the free the dream conference is all about go to free the dream dot live and register today it's coming up on september 7th 8th and 9th in franklin tennessee myself and my wife are going to uh, share tons of valuable information and stories my great friend ray edwards is going to be teaching my friend dan miller author of 48 days to the work you love is going to be teaching uh, Aaron Walker, uh, Giovanna Ellison, my friend Leslie Samuel, Daphne Scott, PJ Jonas, and even John C. Morgan is going to be there to entertain us. And if you don't know who John C. Morgan is, I'll just say, come to the Free to the Dream and be surprised. Don't even research it. All right? So anyway, freethedream.live, it's going to be incredible. And, and here's one other little caveat, one other little story that I'll just tell you right here. I have a friend of mine who lives in another country. I'm not going to say his name because I didn't take the chance – or didn't take the time to ask for permission to share his story uh, as in, in the detail that I'm about ready to share it. But a guy in another country – and by the way, I'm not outing him because there are there's somebody coming from Germany already. There's somebody who's already coming – well, I – another country and another country so there are three other countries all right there and and i know that there'll be more countries that are going to be represented at free the dream but so far there's no way that this is going to link back to one person so there's this one guy and he reaches out to me on social media He says cliff hey can i ask you a couple questions about the free the dream conference and the tickets and and I and it was a you know it's like, what about this Do you, is there any meals included for the standard ticket and I said no there's no meals covered on the standard ticket um, but trust me the venue is it, it's got restaurants on site there'll be food trucks on Saturday I mean there's lots of different food items right there within walking distance and within driving distance it's, it's incredible it's Franklin Tennessee it's the most awesome place so there's plenty of places for you to get food without you know traveling too far And and if you want something it's there's food there on site now if you get the vip ticket yes there's lunches included each of the day of the conference and there's a vip dinner on friday evening so uh, he goes well the thing is is i'm I'm trying to think about whether or not to get the standard ticket. And by the way, this guy's already making the investment and made the decision to come to the conference. And he's already going to spend all the money necessary to travel to the United States. And it'll be his first trip ever being in the United States to come to the conference. But he's trying to decide whether or not to buy the, the standard ticket and the VIP ticket, which at the time that he's making this decision, there's a $500 decision. And this guy's a friend of mine. This guy happens to have been somebody who was a part of what I called the podcast mastermind for two years back when I did the podcast mastermind years ago. And so he's like, you know, I'm trying to make the decision because just so you know, I'm coming from another country. My target audience, you know, when it comes to networking, and I know that the biggest benefit of going to the to the uh, VIP ticket is the networking for the dinner and with the speaker, but It's really not my community. I want to just, mostly what I want to do is I just want to make sure that if I get the standard ticket, will I be able, he he says, I see that you have this special bonus session for VIP holders. And I just want to make sure that I get as much insight and inspiration and information from you because I'm coming there to hear you share the kind of stuff that you share in the way that you'll share it at that conference. And I just wanted to know, is it worth the extra $500 just for that little bonus session? And I wrote back to him and I said, is there any way that you and I could do a FaceTime conversation? And he said, sure. And he's kind of blown away that I would even offer. And so uh, I was at the gym and we got on a FaceTime call and I said to him, I said, do you mind if I suggest something to you and I'd just love to see what kind of reaction that you have to this? And he says, Sure. And, and by the way, this is somebody who respects me very highly, and 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 is is got, he's got a very open mind to having his mindset expanded in in vast different ways, which is obviously, uh, you know, attributes to the reason why he's willing to come to the United States for the first time in his life, just to come see Cliff Ravenscraft talk on a stage, right? Um, so, I said, I, I'd like to suggest to you that what you're not you're not asking yourself. I said consciously. You're asking yourself, is there enough value to pay an extra five hundred dollars for that one extra session that you'll get to hear me talk? And by the way, I said pretty much I I will say you're gonna get you're gonna get pretty much most everything that I'm going to give a value if you just get the standard ticket even and don't don't worry about it i mean by the way i think the vip is 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 incredible i think the dinner with the speakers dinner with me it's very small group i'm limiting it to there's only 35 publicly available tickets there'll be more than 35 people at the dinner because well there's however many speakers right so the speakers are going to be there my kids will be there um but yeah it's it's but there's only 35 tickets publicly available so it's not like I'm trying to, to, I mean, the VIP is, it's VIP. It's, it's, it's exclusive. So, but the, yeah, I'm going to do an extra session for the VIP that, you know, on Friday night after the dinner. But I don't even know what that session is going to be yet. But I know it's going to be valuable. But you're asking the question. You believe that the question you're asking and consciously you're asking the question is Cliff's session after the VIP dinner worth the extra $500. But I'm going to suggest to you that actually subconsciously, without you even knowing it, without you being aware of it until I tell you right now, you're, askly, you're actually subconsciously asking a different question. And the question is, am I worth an extra $500 to get the most value the highest level of value that Cliff Ravenscraft is willing to offer to give at his conference. Regardless of how much extra value that is, the question that you're asking yourself, I said, is you want to know, are you worthy of an extra $500 of investment in yourself? He goes, hmm. I told him, the story of Stephanie and I buying the house, which is, by the way, the reason why you got the story today. I told him about this idea that he has plenty, because he 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 was convinced that, well, because it's a lot of money, and there's this, and there's that. It's like, I said, listen, what would you say if I told you you always have plenty of money for all the things you truly want? He goes, let me think about that. <laughs> and so everything that I've told you, I told him in a FaceTime conversation, I didn't take an hour and 48 minutes to get to it, but, we, but, but he got a condensed version of it. And I, I, and I sit there, I said, I, by, by the end of the FaceTime conversation, I, I, and, and obviously the, the point of telling him the story of buying the house wasn't to impress him with the fact that I bought the house. The reason why I told him the story about the house, the reason why I'm sharing the story of the house with you is because I wanted him to understand that if all of a sudden... The, the question I had to ask myself wasn't, can I afford the house? Is the house going to be worth as much as, I'm, as they're asking me to pay for it? The question I was really asking myself is, is my wife's purpose and mission and goal in this world worth what it would cost to build this house? Is my wife's dream, the fulfillment of what my wife most desires to do with a house, is her dream worth the cost, the investment? Also, I had to ask myself, am I worthy of having an office as awesome as the office that was in my head when I sat down on that couch in the finished basement of the model home? Am I worthy of that? That was the question. And once I became convinced that my wife's dream was worth it, thank you, Jim Munchback, once I became convinced that I was worthy of living and working in a dream environment, once I became convinced I was worth it, I was worthy of it, only then was I able to believe it was possible, to make the decision that it was absolutely not just possible, but the the reality of not having it then became an impossibility. And then as soon as I made that decision, I knew the money would be available. And it caused me to do things I would never have done had I not made the decision. And so I did a couple things in my business and boom, the money was there. And that money would have been there the whole time. And so guess what? This friend of mine that I'm telling you about, he made the decision on the spot. I'm buying a VIP ticket because I'm worthy of the investment. Now, did I do all of that so that he would buy a VIP ticket so that Cliff Ravenscraft could get an extra $500 in profit on this conference? No. Why did I do that? Because it helped change something fundamental in in this person's belief system about who he is and what he's able to achieve. And and when I say who he is, I'm talking about his identity of worth, of himself, the way he views himself is different as a result of making that decision. So he bought the VIP ticket. And do you know what he did? He went out and created a brand new product. He said, matter of fact, he told me before we ended the he goes, I know exactly the product I'm going to create. I'm going to work on it this evening. He worked on it this evening and he emailed me the next, no, like two days later, he emailed me and said, hey, Cliff, I want you to know I've already created the product. I started marketing it and I've already generated over 600 euros. He says that money would have never been there had I not decided to buy the VIP ticket. Had he decided to buy the standard ticket, he would have just used the money he was already going to have generated. But because he decided to invest in himself in a higher level He decided that he must do more to generate a return on that investment. So the more you invest in yourself, the more you're going to work harder, the harder you're going to work to do things to make sure that you get a good return. That is why I'm not shocked that as I sit here right now recording this, I'm looking at my ticket sales for Free the Dream They've only been on sale for one week and we're months before the conference. I've sold 14 tickets to Free the Dream already. 12 of the 14 tickets are VIP. 12 of the 14 tickets are VIP. Some of my closest friends, their minds are absolutely blown. Number one, they're blown that this many people are buying this far in advance. Number two, they're blown that these people are paying this, you know, twice as much for the VIP this far in advance. And it's like, what is It's like, listen, this, this mindset, this is something I've been talking about for years. I mean, I, I've got more stories from years ago talking about why I buy the most expensive computers when I buy a new computer for my business, because it forces me to, when I put down more money, the more The more of my money I put towards something, the the harder I work to get something in return for what I invested. And this has always been a part of my message, so it's not surprising to me to see that 12 out of the 14 tickets sold so far are VIP, which by the way, (laughs) ticket sales are on sale until April 30th, on May 1st there will be a significant price increase. I'm not telling you intentionally. I'm not telling you what those prices are right now. I'm not. I'm intentionally not telling you what the percentage off on each of the tickets are between now and April 30th because if you're hearing my voice after April 30th, I don't want you to kick yourself for not actually hearing this sooner. Um, but it's a total no-brainer. If you're hearing my voice right now between, well, before May 1st, you must go buy the ticket now free the dream dot live and if there's a vip ticket i encourage you to buy the vip ticket um i'm not great at math so i'll tell you i'm gonna go 35 divided by 12 there are only 23 vip tickets left my guess is that by may 1st your standard ticket is going to be the only ticket option to you it's still going to be extremely valuable it's not a big deal that you won't get to eat dinner with all of the speakers and have one little extra session with me. But I will tell you that it's going to be incredible. 99% of all of the sessions are going to, or 90%, 95% of all the sessions that are going to be given at Free the Dream are going to be given to everybody that has the standard ticket. So, But but if the VIP is available, get the VIP if for no other reason then to answer the question, are you worth the extra investment? And if so, buy the VIP ticket if it's available, just so you'll work that much harder to get the return on the investment. And by the way, if this VIP ticket isn't available and you want to have the same effect, you could wait until you could wait until August to buy the ticket if there's still, it's, there, there is a somewhat of a limit of how many people we can attend. I'm shooting for 300 to 350. I could go all the way up to 800 people in this space, but I'm shooting for 300 to 350. Here's the deal. If you, if you want to have the same thing, you could just wait to buy your ticket and the, the longer you wait to the pit, buy the ticket, the more money you'll have to invest to come to the conference and you'll still, the more money you spend, the more you're going to work hard to get the return. So I shouldn't say that because I'd like to see these tickets come in and, and sell them and get this, you know, see if we can, you know, what we need to do to arrange the right seating for how many people are attending and all that good stuff. But, you know, I just wanted to share this. This, is, this whole episode isn't about selling tickets for Free the Dream, but this episode is sponsored by Free the Dream Conference at freethedream.live. The purpose of this episode is to take you from where you may have been at the beginning of this episode when I said this, you always have plenty of money for everything you truly want. And I hope that if you struggled with that statement at the beginning of this episode, I hope that my stories and the story of my friend who's coming to Free the Dream Conference and the fact that... Actually, by the time I've, right now, by the time I'm recording this, I'm absolutely certain he's sold more of his product than covers the entire VIP ticket. In fact, not only that, but I'm absolutely convinced that by the time Free the Dream conference comes around in September and he is here, he probably from this one product idea will have been able to pay five or 10 times what it cost him not just for the ticket, but for all of the travel, for everything associated. The total investment of everything for Free the Dream, he will have actually generated five to ten times the amount of income. Or, of, of, he would have generated five to ten times the amount of money it cost total just from the one product That he never would have created had he not decided to invest in himself at a a higher level. That is the purpose of this episode. And that, my friends, is why I love talking about money. I love talking about what we believe about money and how available it is to us at all times. And with that, my friends, I'll leave you with one more mention of (laughs) freethedream.live. I should have uh, Mike and Isabella create a little jingle for that. Anyway, l i v e. Go there, register today. I look forward to seeing you in Franklin, Tennessee. And until next time, my friends, I encourage each and every single one of you to take every area of your life and what you believe about who you are and what you're able to achieve to the next level.